Hi there folks and welcome to episode 48 of One Hour Broadway with myself and Maxie as usual. You can open your can mate, don't worry about it. That's fine. And this week just uh despite having sort of a promised slash teased a little bit of chat about ICW, uh, I think we're going to leave that to possibly next week. Um, maybe just as it gets a little bit closer to Baramania. Talk about the hype towards that uh, as opposed to covering it week to week. Purely because they're taping shows uh, in advance. And I mean, so by the time this comes out, there'll be pretty much the build for this massive show this Sunday. Um and we've barely just covered the shows from two weeks ago. Um, so just leave that and do a little bit of a roundup. However, ICW show this Sunday. Not sure if I will go, but it's an st- absolute stacked card. Anyway, back into more relevant matters. WWE. Um, first, just cover a couple of things to begin with. Um, Wade Barrett allegedly not re-signing. He basically mentioned this in an interview months ago that he was looking to get into acting. Um, not surprised. Guy's constantly injured. Just not a surprise to me, to be honest. Maybe didn't climb as high as he could have, but at the end of the day, the guy's sort of a... He's past his peak already, which is a shame. And his, his debut year was probably his peak of his career. And the fact that he's spent the last two months basically being a guy on the outside not doing much not surprised that the guy's looking to move on it's just felt like every opportunity he's had a chance to have a push something's went wrong whether it be an injury or or just something has just hampered it but um, he really we all well I personally think anyway he should have been world champion in the first year and then he would have had a, a star made there unfortunately it never happened dwindled a little bit, had some okay runs in the IC division, but I definitely think like, especially after the movie had done, he seemed like he really enjoyed it, and I feel like it definitely looks like something that he'll, he'll get into. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously instantly there's going to be rumours of TNA, of whatever else, going to New Japan, who knows. Um, I think a big reason if he is not re-signing his contract, probably injuries playing a massive part in it, but fair enough, if you don't want to be in the machine anymore when you're not going to be a guy that's got a spotlight on him. Understandable, considering you're one of the biggest guys on the roster. Um, one of the most talented guys on the roster and you're not getting a chance to show that. Especially with his mic work. The fact that they've done the whole bad news Barrett thing, squashed it within about a month and a half when it was getting over. Um, I mean, no wonder you wouldn't want to re-sign with the company at that stage don't really think the roster's going to miss him that much, to be brutally honest. Just another spot for someone in that that mid-card there. I think it's a big loss for them coming over to the UK, though. That's probably the only thing they'll miss, eh, having like a big UK star on the roster. Um, granted, not that much of a star over here, but to the wrestling fans, it's a massive deal. It could be a case as well of, um, if it is something he's maybe thought about, whether it be long term or short term maybe the whole Daniel Bryan thing has maybe kind of got him thinking you know is it really worth it putting his body through more injuries and something that could you know be serious and long term and really affect his health and thinking you know maybe acting won't be as as bad on his body you know because obviously it's not like every pretty much every day you know he's doing it with the WWE exactly and it's not going to be the, the rigorous schedule as well for travel so it could be a lot of factors, but um, as I say, you're perfectly right in what you say. Like He's probably a bigger star in the US than he is in the UK, but as you say, for bringing it over to the UK, we are going to be missing that big, big star, because he really did fill in that uh, William Regal 
void that was missing when he decided to to go into training. Definitely. Um, but if it does leave, um, it will be a bit of a shame, but such is wrestling. Um, other news from around the wrestling world. Um, Global Force Wrestling have got their first television deal or airing of a pilot in New Zealand, of all places. Um, fair enough. We'll see how that goes for them. Um, more television stations that are willing to take wrestling on that's only a good thing uh, by all accounts the Global Force shows that they taped in uh, Vegas were actually pretty good decent turnout um, and as as much as anything else I'd be looking forward to seeing uh, Chael Sonnen or hearing Chael Sonnen on commentary um, but I mean they've done quite a, quite a significant amount of tapings so they've obviously got plenty of footage there to use for a television show. And after all of the talk months ago, probably close to a year ago now, of it'll be different, it won't be the same old scripted professional wrestling show, it'll be reality-based, um, which I really don't see working out too well. I mean, you can't have every guy on the roster cutting shoot promos on each other, it's just not going to work. Or who knows, it might work, you never know. That's That remains to be seen. Um, so if that does, so if that is airing on television in New Zealand, won't be long before we get to see footage of it over here, um, online at least. It just seems like in the last couple of months it's kind of quietened down a little bit. You've not really heard much from them, you know. Especially they've not done tapings for a while either. You know, it's always been like small shows. I think they've done like maybe two in the UK, but it's been like very, very minor things that they've done. So uh, can we wait and see? I suppose. Other news, Bright Hart had successful prostate cancer surgery, um, making a recovery there, going through all the usual, so best of luck to him in his recovery. Um, that's about it, really, from around the, the world of professional wrestling. Um, Mauro Ronaldo missed Smackdown this week due to ill health. Uh, so Michael Cole filled in again. It'll be interesting to see if the SmackDown rating dips with him missing. It seems the ratings were gaining momentum um, a little bit there. Uh, but SmackDown's still irrelevant, even though it is on the USA Network. All the hopes and dreams we had of it being taken more seriously don't seem to have come to fruition. And when you're just going to have the same matches that you've saw on Raw, there's, uh, there's not really much watchability in it. I do appreciate that they're using it to do lower feuds, like pushing the Jericho Styles feud, giving commentary time to guys like Kevin Owens and The Miz. It's good for that, but it's not. There's nothing on that that I'm not going to see on Raw, and that's that's where it's that's where it needs to have its appeal. Um, even having Brock Lesnar on this week, it's not really a draw for myself, to be quite honest. One thing I'll be interested to, to see is with um, Mauro Ronaldo missing out is whether the dynamic between um, King and Cole changes from what it's previously been, if they continue with the the more heelish Jerry the King Lawler character or because it is him and Michael Cole because they've always been pally-pally in recent years, if they're going to keep that up. But I completely agree with what you say. Like The amount of times, like, I'll always look at the SmackDown spoilers and I'll never watch it and focus on, oh, you need the spoilers, that's why you don't watch. Like, well... I read the NXT spoilers and I, I tune in all the Still time. Still watch NXT. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like with SmackDown, it just, when I look at them, I just don't feel like, oh, I need to get my way and go and watch that. There's nothing there that says, yes, that's going to be amazing. It's like, oh, I could see that, I could see that. And then in uh, NXT, it's like, that's a wee bit different. Quite like to see that. Quite like to see that. And it's just... But it's the fact that in NXT, you know that everything's going to have a story that leads somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whereas in SmackDown, that might not be the case. Anyway, uh, well, that'll do for a little bit of a roundup there. Uh, we'll just skip to Monday Night Raw, the flagship show of WWE, which kicked off with Stephanie McMahon and uh, the triple threat match contract signing. I mean, I'm not really a big fan of contract signings for number one contender triple threat matches, um, but it served its purpose. 
continues to shine the spotlight on Dean Ambrose, um, him cutting Stephanie off, sort of getting in her face, calling out Lesnar. Then it just breaks down into the usual. Uh, the biggest thing in this segment, I felt, was they gave Dean Ambrose plenty of time on the microphone. He got a good reception. Brock Lesnar got a good reception. Roman Reigns, not so much. But Stephanie McMahon controlled this whole thing, cutting off Paul Heyman, stopping him from talking, uh, cutting off Dean Ambrose at times. Um, and once the contract was signed, get out of there, leaving the guys to do what they do. And unsurprisingly, Brock Lesnar just laying everyone to waste. Um, unfortunately, this whole segment was sort of a not completely undone at all, but it, it did seem to lose a bit of steam when, after being smashed with a table, the no-sell from Roman Reigns, as per usual, well, Dean Ambrose is selling the F5 like it was the most destructive move in the world. And it kind of ruined the opening segment. Was it? That was last week. Was that last week? What was this week, then? The Fatal Five-Way. Oh, my God. There we go. So, it wasn't that. It was the Fatal Five-Way. That's how poor WWE has been recently. So I was thinking there, right? And I'm like, Lesnar wasn't in Raw. And I'm trying to think. I'm like, I do remember all this happening. I'm yeah. like, and as soon as you mentioned the table, I'm like, last week. Right. What was this week's opening segment then? I, I genuinely don't remember it then. I know it was Dean Ambrose and Stephanie McMahon. I know that much. I think it was... No, 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 I'm I'm trying to remember back. It was mentions of um, Dean Ambrose wanting Lesnar because they were talking about, like... Oh, that's the the story. Mm -hmm. Like, he was wanting something to do with the F5. And then he says, like, the only thing that's going to be an F5 is going to be Fatal 5-way. And that's when they came out with the the matchup that was going to follow it. But really just, again, teasing the confrontation that Dean Ambrose could be the guy that faces Triple H down the line. In the meantime, I will open up this week's notes and not last week's notes, which will help. But, um, aye, so sorry, you've, I was just reading straight from my notes there, so. Right, cool. So, aye, so they opened my video package, Ambrose, Lesnar, cool. Hyped it all up, thought, didn't think the package was that great, in all honesty. Um, set up the Fatal Five Way match. And the one thing from the segment that I clearly don't remember, but I've written down in. The, the, the correct notes is Dean Ambrose use of sometimes you've just got to do what you've got to do and I think that'll be prevalent when it comes to Fastlane on Sunday uh, not just for Dean Ambrose but for Roman Reigns as well um, and all, all we really saw here was because um, I mean the, the Fatal 5 match there's not really much to talk about anyway but this whole thing was about Stephanie McMahon's now try to get at Dean Ambrose as well as Roman Reigns try to get at Dean Ambrose and at the same time making Roman Reigns well aware like Dean Ambrose is like going about for himself like you can't trust this guy and try to build the tension between those two which I think is really interesting um, but usually when WWE does that it usually doesn't come to fruition in any way it's usually just a false tease um, but this was all really just set up for Ambrose to lose his title to make him seem like he's another opponent to the authority. And more so, I think, just to get that Intercontinental title off of him when he's not going to be defending it for the next two months. I mean, it's it's as if like a lot of the programme initially was focused on Roman, but it's kind of like the authorities kind of went, oh, why, this guy could be a bit of a threat as well. This guy, he's a lunatic, he's nuts. We don't actually know, like, he can come through with something completely crazy and then that could be a massive risk. If he wins to the you know to the company, you know what I mean. If he's the champion, he's going to be representing the brand. So I think they've done well in promoting it in that kind of way. I just um, again, the more and more segments to do with Dean Ambrose with the like, see your Stephanie McMahon's, your Brock Lesnar's. I more want to see Brock Lesnar versus Dean Ambrose. Exactly, and I think it's it's it's, it's be quite quite relevant as to like they know that he's 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 quite good in the microphone. I think his stuff recently hasn't been great at all. Um, he seems just stuck in this, like, try to find out what his character is in a, a PG WWE environment. Um, I think it's the kind of guy that would have thrived in that attitude era. 
but that's not where he is just now and he needs to find his way um, and I thought it was quite petty for them to have and I mean because it's not him doing this it's clearly the writers having him continue the thing of Triple H from the week before basically taking shots at Brock Lesnar's manhood which is quite it's it's quite pitiful like it's sort of a like it's cheap the cheap pop equivalent of try to antagonise a, a heel like alright cool that's sort of like the kind of thing a heel would say to a baby face to antagonise him not the other way around um, and oh cool Dean Ambrose you said balls on television nah, that's amazing um, big fan of Dean Ambrose I just feel like he still needs to find his way in his promo work um, but being out there with Stephanie McMahon is only going to help there's still that one wee bit missing it's like once it clicks you feel like it could definitely get to the next level it's just feel like there's that thing that's kind of kept him in like the IC title scene and why he's never been in that main event like he never really got the Rollins pushes because there's still that one thing you're like he's good but there's one thing that's just he's not properly here's, WWE here's what it is Roman Reigns believe that which you buy into because he believes his own hype Rollins is about being the architect of being the best you believe that because he believes that Dean Ambrose doesn't believe that he's a lunatic and that's what the problem is. You're trying to portray him as this crazy guy, and he's not a crazy guy. And as long as you're trying to portray him as that, and he's meant to portray that character, it's not going to work because that's not who he is. It comes into that same way as we've said many a time, though. Like, he does a suicide dive to the outside, and he says, oh, flying lunatic. It's like, everybody else does that, you know? He, uh, exactly. It, and I feel like if other people didn't do the suicide dive, he'd maybe look a bit more of a lunatic, but because it's such a common thread in the WWE... Not so much for Dean Ambrose. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, basically, Stephanie McMahon sets up this fatal five-way, which just didn't make sense to me. It's fatal four-way. It always will be. Um, if you're going that way, they could have at least done a six-pack challenge, something like that. Fine. So fatal five-way is Dean Ambrose defending his title against Kevin Owens, who's the only realistic contender to win it. Dolph Ziggler, Stardust, uh, Tyler Breeze or aka guys that are not going to win the match um, became quite apparent when they announced the people who's going to take the pin or who's likely to take the pin here um, since Tyler Breeze has been on a massive de-push for the last two months it seems and as soon as they announced this I just felt Ambrose is dropping the title Ziggler and Owens are going to be feuding over the title now and that's what's going to happen by the looks of things. You nailed it. I was close. I said it would either be Ambrose will retain over Breeze or Owens will win over Breeze. So I got the loser right. But I still I still thought like... When I seen Kevin Owens, I thought, you know, okay, stacking the odds up against him. That's a, that's a decent opponent. Stardust, I'm like, mm, okay, okay. He's had a bit of publicity recently, you know, so there might be something there. Ziggler, I'm like, okay, we need to have Ziggler where Owens is. That's a common thread now. And then Tyler Breeze went, up. Oh, we're generally getting the other guys and everybody else is booked for the night. That was the way I look uh, at it. However, the match started to pick up steam towards the end. I thought the most of, the most part was pretty pretty poor. They had a chance to have an amazing moment in this match. Um, one of those things where you're like, until you see it happening, you don't think it would be good. Kevin Owens goes for the, the, the cannonball into three corners. Goes to hit the fourth one, Tyler Breeze. Hits him with a supermodel kick, then a beauty shot. And it takes three other guys to break up the pinfall. Dolph Ziggler being a wee bit late, but that's fine. Um, I would have bought that as the finish to that match. 100%. Then you've got Tyler Breeze as your champion. And he's you've already got, if you take Ambrose out of the equation, three guys to feud with straight away. Um, the only issue is, he's a heel. Stardust's a heel. Kevin Owens is a heel. And Ziggler's not really a babyface. That was the only issue for that match for me. Um, it was good in the sense that it made it clear Dean Ambrose, good guy, cheer him. I just felt like they could have done something different here. Instead they went, well, Kevin Owens is a guy that we see as a, a future top heel. We'll just have him win and continue this boring feud with Dolph Ziggler. The thing as well is, if you had have given it uh, to Tyler Reese in that instance, which... For a split setting, they may have kind of bought it. No way, and then obviously I seen everybody coming in. But like, 
shock factor. That's what they need on uh, Raw. You heard it with Kalisto winning the title, bit of a shock factor. Why not have another kind of shock factor? And then it's like Tyler Breeze, you know, he he scored a fl- you could say a fluky win because of one good moment, you know. How will he do when it's him one-on-one against someone? And then you've got a couple of fresh feuds. But not to be in, we'll be getting Ziggler versus Owen part 14, 13. Something like that. The thing that to me as well, though, is... And this really relates to something else that we can speak about. But by putting the title on Kevin Owens, it makes it clear to me he's not involved in anything major for WrestleMania. Which is fine. So you put the title on him with the idea that he's feuding with Dolph Ziggler. That's not a match that's going to be on WrestleMania as a singles match. So you're going to waste a guy with the talents of Kevin Owens and likely a multi-man match at WrestleMania. Nah, I'm not a big fan of that at all. If he didn't win this match, didn't have the title, then he could still chase it because he believes it's his title. That was the whole thing with Ambrose. So you could have done something with someone else. Um, but I'm not surprised they've put the title back on him. Just think it kind of kills any hopes of Kevin Owens being in a big match uh, on the WrestleMania card. I just have a massive fear now that because of the, the doing away of, of Money in the Bank and um, the fact that they want to have as many guys on the WrestleMania card as possible, that apart from the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, I feel like the Intercontinental Championship is going to be your multi-man match. The only way I can maybe see it not being is if they potentially go with the US title in that kind of role this year because the IC title had the spotlight last year, yeah. which opens up a couple of opportunities. You know, he could have Kalisto... Uh, well, I'd probably say he would retain just to say for example uh, and if five guys against him especially after the spot at TLC you could definitely uh, see them trying for a Wrestlemania moment and it potentially opens up Kevin Owens for maybe someone like an AJ Styles going down the line at Wrestlemania also leaves up a couple of avenues but as you say him versus Ziggler not a Wrestlemania type match because uh, we've seen it that many times to be fair I could see him against Kevin Owens uh, AJ Styles against Kevin Owens for the IC title it's not a big marquee match though that's like probably going to be your fifth or sixth match for the top um, in WrestleMania. Because um, this year, I think, and you spoke about it last week, the tag title match has to have a big... That has to have a big place on the card this year, just because of the new day, simply. Um, Another thing that people need to remember, a lot of folks say, oh, we can have a, a multi-man ladder match for, the, for one of the secondary titles, we can have a TLC match for the tag titles. You're not going to have both. Uh, One of them is going to have a stipulation. Um, I'm more inclined to think it will be the US Championship or the secondary title that will have the the stipulation. I just feel the method they've been going with the Fatal 4 ways has been absolutely fine for the tag division uh, at WrestleMania. It gives as many teams a spot as possible. Um, and I've been entertained with everyone I've seen so and, far. And, we, and as long-time WWE viewers, we, we, we know that when you don't have a hot angle, you just fling as many people in it as possible to try and get something out of it. That's just their booking style. Um, moved on for that opening segment. An interesting backstage segment, which I loved because of the production on it and pretty much nothing else. Ambrose talks about um, that beatdown, or losing his, losing his title, but he's focused on the WWE title. That's fine. Talking to Renee leaves, goes back to commentary team, and they go, oh wait, we've got someone with Renee backstage again, so they cut back to Renee Young. And she's with Kevin Owens. Like it was impromptu, like you felt as if it was actually an impromptu segment. And then he's talking to Renee, then Dolph Ziggler, and Kevin Owens can't be bothered talking to Dolph Ziggler, so he fucks off. I really enjoyed that, where they had to cut back to Renee because she had more news. Like, it felt like this is an actual live show where anything can happen, just for that split second. And then it went back to the meandering, um, scripted nature as usual it's that one little thing they keep saying you want to change the format up that's that one little tweak that just gives it that wee bit of a change but as you say back to normality straight afterwards Aye, but that's all so that's where Ziggler made clear he wants a title shot and Kevin Owens not really that bothered by Dolph Ziggler at this stage um, next up with the New Day out to the ring cutting a promo um, talking about how they'll be on the cutting edge peep show at Fastlane which I think is ridiculous if they're not in a title match I think this is a setup for something. Debuting a team, possibly. I don't know, but there's no way you're going to have them on that pay-per-view and not wrestling in a match. Seems a bit stupid to me. 
to have them in a, a promo segment on a pay-per-view or big event. The only thing that struck to me is they have nothing for them at the moment, but they would wish them to remain tag team champions going into WrestleMania. The only other thing I can take for this segment is pretty much they've got Edge and Christian debuting their show on the WWE Network. Great way to plug it. Um, I'm not going to argue Edge and Christian, very entertaining guys. You know, we don't see them that often. It's like maybe now twice a year. No. So I'm, I'm more than happy to, to see that. But interesting it is in the, the main card. But I'm assuming, again, more eyes, uh-huh. more people are by the network. Um, so then we had the, the then the, the new day continued the promo, which resulted in Piggy and Kofi Kingston simulating blowjobs, which wasn't funny. Um, then they called out Mark Henry because he took them last week, which resulted in a really terrible match where Mark Henry injured himself before he'd been hit with Biggie's finish, and Biggie covering him for the win. Seems like Mark Henry's injured his ribs in some way. The guy needs to retire. Clearly he's done. WrestleMania will be his last event, clearly. And good for them. Good for him to get to finish his career. It's just a case of... If it doesn't, just, it's just silly. I think it's just him wanting to get to the finish line, which is that WrestleMania in Texas, and once he gets there, it's thanks and, a lot, as you say, a great amount of years of service. Yeah, moving on, we had Byron Saxton interviewing Brie Bella... Obviously, she was cut off by Charlotte because they have a match on Sunday. And basically what we said last week, Charlotte would then mock her about Daniel Bryan retiring, about injuring her sister, all the stuff that we got on the Michael Cole interview last week. Um, I thought it was really well done. Brie Bella had it out of the park with legitimate emotion. And her delivery wasn't that great but it didn't need to be because what you believed what she said. Um, Charlotte's getting a little bit better playing that heel character. Still don't believe in anything she says, though. Um, and until she's got that believability, it's still a fail for me, um, going with her, continually failing in ring work. Um, great segment, though, to put Brie Bell over going into Sunday, where she's definitely not going to win the title. Um, and also she's made it clear she'll be retiring very soon as well. Interestingly, I take for all these kind of segments, uh, Ric Flair. Who? Sorry. Why is he, he there? Why he? is he there now? You know, I just feel like, you know, it, when you're getting at angles like this, which is going to try and get a lot of heat on Charlotte, you're not going to get heat on Charlotte when she comes out. Everybody sees Ric Flair and they want to go, whoa, you know? So I think it's a case of slowly but surely phase Ric Flair out, allow Charlotte to become this proper heel. And allow her, you know, to get away from the woo chance and then eventually actually get some proper heat behind her. I know, I understand that, but that's not going to happen. Ric Flair's on the road now, and the only thing they can do is turn Charlotte against Ric Flair. That's it. And that's why I wish they hadn't been having Ric Flair being the heel on the outside. They should have been having him being disappointed in Charlotte for no getting it done. Don't follow my path, make your own path type thing. But that's not the way they went for it, but she's still going to turn on him at some point which is fine. Then we had the big, um, sort of a secondary feud segment. We had Jericho out in commentary for AJ Styles against The Miz. Miz attacked before the bell, showing uh, good aggression there. Really, really nice match between the two of them. Really enjoyed it. Um, The constant story of The Miz trying to avoid AJ Styles' hard strikes, especially that back chop. Um, which led to like him getting rolled up a couple of times, things like that. I thought that was really, really well worked. Um, then including Jericho on the outside with the Miz getting in his face, having a little bit of a tussle on the outside. Um, just a really, really nice match. And then you even got the Miz hitting his finish and AJ Styles kicking out, which I thought was fine. I mean, if they'd done some, if the Miz again, if the Miz had won there, you would have bought it as his finish. He's put away numerous people with it. Um, I think that's how he won WrestleMania as well. Um, hit the skull crushing finale after the match got restarted into the interference by The Rock. So long time ago now. <laughs> but it's a, it's a move that's, yep. that everyone knows what it is. We're quite clear on that. It, it wins matches. Um, Styles kicks out, gets back into the corner and rolls uh, Miz up into the calf crusher and the Miz taps. Um, that was fine. I didn't think we needed the whole thing of Jericho getting in the ring, getting in AJ Styles' face to only tell him 
I've not got an answer for you. Um, I'd agree, it didn't really help MD, I didn't have to get AJ Styles. Fair enough, it was cool to hear his voice in the WWE in a live uh, promo, but at the same time, it wasn't good to hear the same people who have been cheering them. What, what, what? I felt it would have been better if they'd given him the mic when he finished the match and just had them call Jericho out right there as Jericho's at commentary and have Jericho just not respond and walk away. You know what I mean? That's yep. fine. Then you can have AJ Styles being aggressive, whatever, and then... I don't know. After, because he's already tapped him as if you want to really bury them as that much and just use them to get AJ Styles over. Um, have AJ Styles cut the promos, Jericho's walking away. Tell him, hey Chris, this is what's coming your way and then have him at the Styles clash when Miz and stand there triumphant or whatever. Something like that instead of this wee bickering segment that goes two minutes too long and leads to nothing. Doesn't really make you want to watch Smackdown because you know the match is happening at the pay-per-view. Like, do you really want to tune in to hear Jericho go? Oh yeah, yeah. By the way, I, I will fight you fastly, and because uh, because uh, this is this is a feud. That's how it works. Like we're no stupid at this point. We know what's happening. So I just felt like that was kind of a bit of a waste of a promo segment. Unfortunately. Do you feel like any of this feud at any point has kind of helped restore a bit of credibility towards the Miz? You know, fair enough, he's not been winning, but as you say, he was he was close with AJ Styles. He had a few chances to win. You know, he's showing that, you know, fair enough, he's not quite at his level, so he's going to have to take cheap shots at the start. I think all it showed is, with that one Miz TV segment, that Miz is still one of the top promo guys, if they give him the chance. In the match that he had with uh, Styles on Raw, the one on SmackDown was alright, but the one on Raw in particular, that he's a solid worker. He can put together a good match that's got a good story. And I think he doesn't get credit for that. He always tells great stories in his matches because his ability to sell things is so great. I mean, how many other guys would have been effective in selling the fear of being hit in the face like he was there? And the, like he's done for months with the whole moneymaker thing. He's so, so effective at it. Um, and it's a shame they don't utilise him in a better programme uh, more often. The other thing I can take for it as well is with AJ now using the, the calf crusher is basically... Because he's a smaller guy, him hitting like a kind of power-ish move, or any kind of move that is impact-based, you can say in the WWE world a lot of big guys not as really believable. When you've had somebody like Daniel Bryan, who a lot of the time, fair enough, ended up with being the knee strike, but for a good portion of the time it was the yes lock. That's why I can easily believe it being a submission finisher going out. These are smaller guys. Impact kind of moves maybe won't take as much damage, but, you know, they can easily tap you out. I mean, I'm fine with it, but the Styles Clash is such a, a well-known move. Um, I just don't think it looks good on most of the guys he's tried it on so far. Um, didn't look good on Curtis Axel. Didn't, it looked alright on Miz. Didn't look the best. Um, I guess we'll see what it looks like when he finally hits Jericho with it. I think it's maybe one of the ones, again, we we said it with like, Dean Ambrose trying to find himself in WWE. You could say, for example, AJ Styles might be another good be well before he properly finds what works in WWE what doesn't what the fans are going to buy you know because there's a bigger audience and stuff like that and but they're just going to go it's not believable so I suppose it'll just well, be talking about what the fans are going to buy it will definitely be more AJ Styles merchandise because they're selling quite a lot of it and they're producing more of it every week um, interesting that he's kept his logo as well the Phenomenal One logo um, interesting I'd seen um, WWEshop.com put out the, the gloves, I think, was the latest one. Right. Um, so moving on, we had the Dudleys out. They're no longer using tables. Cutting a little promo about how, here, by the way, we turned heel last week, but, I mean, it happened like two minutes before Daniel Bryan retired, so nobody really remembers. But it happened, right? Please remember that it happened. That's basically all this little promo was about, which was fine. I kind of wish they'd maybe changed up their attire a little bit. Instead of just having, like, I mean, on SmackDown, Bubba Ray came out on like a lot of shirt and jeans, and you knew that there was a change. It was obvious there'd been a change in the character, whereas they just came out in the same gear. Um, things like that they need to put more, put more focus on, I think, because um, it would have really helped the segment, um, which was really just a throwaway promo. Next up, we had um, finally about. An hour and 20 minutes into the show, in fact, maybe even longer into the show, they had footage of Becky Lynch being attacked backstage before the show. 
um, and portrayed it as if it was kind of like a big deal. When if it was a big deal, you'd have showed it at the start of the show because it happened before the show. And there wasn't really much of an ambush. Was no one hit. Uh, one super kick. That one. was it. Because uh, that's what you get straight in a fight with. Right. Anyway, then we had um, Paige and Summer Rae and Summer Rae won uh, with a roll up because Paige was playing to the crowd and I thought the match was okay. A quick match to put Summer Rae over Paige and I thought it was fine. People have gone, oh, what's Paige done to get buried? Or how about look at it the other way and think, good, maybe more than two Divas can be on a winning run at a time. Um, Summer Rae's more than decent in the ring. Has never really got a chance to show it on the main roster. Uh, I was quite glad that she got the win here, uh, since Paige has pretty much done nothing for the longest time. And I think they're kind of stuck in the mire with her character. They can't really decide which way they want to go with it. I don't know if it's disrespectful to Summer Rae, but when I heard the music, I'd actually think whose it was. But then again, it's more a case of like, WWE's never really given her that opportunity as a solo competitor. It's always been as a valet, a manager, and always in kind of angles with, with male competitors, giving her a chance, you know. We've seen she's, she can handle herself in the mic. She's pretty pretty okay in the mic, I'd say she's... She's very decent, yeah. especially. Not, she's not bad. And I just feel like, you know, sometimes... Although previously I've said like females do need angles with males to help them get to that next level, I feel like at the same time they can still be competitive within the women's division and still do the valet stuff. I think that's one thing that's missing as well. Is uh, one definitely. that is someone that does both. Um, Paige, just find that it's just kind of strange. It's trying to find something for her to do when she's not in a title picture because it's quite clear she's the most over of all the divas. Um, by having her off television I mean partly she did have an injury there having her off television has allowed people like Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks to gain a lot more momentum um, and the fact that they're keeping her away from them, th- that crowd just now is a good thing and the fact is if they do something with Paige, Summer Rae bring Natalia in um, that means that we've got a potential of having like, three different women's feuds on at the same time which would be great, be massive for the division which even a year ago would have been unthinkable. The only concern with Paige is, right, fair enough, there's going to be a lot of fresh feuds down the line. We like Sebeki Lynch, Sasha Banks, etc. She's 23, 24? 23, yeah. She's pretty much done it all. She's <laughs> won the Women's Championship. She's won the Divas Championship. Just needs to win a couple more title reigns and she's a Hall of Fame. Just needs to fuck Batista now, that's, that's about That's it. pretty much it, aye. Um, <coughs> bye. That's, that's the problem I feel like in the women's division it's like it's so easy to achieve, achieve the main goal aye, it's like she's already reached the ceiling of accolades it's like you know what I mean exactly. there's always going to be those spells where there's like nothing for her and it's like we kind of keep putting you in the title picture already there's no something like she had um, 20 title uh, opportunities in like a set period of time I can't remember the exact period but uh, it, was just, it was since she debuted up mm-hmm. until whenever our last match was and the problem is, as like you know, when you've only had like one uh, female feud at times, like if she's done that program, she's off television. And exactly. Um, moving on, we had Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns confrontation. Roman Reigns didn't really do much. Paul Heyman, usual promo. I mean, as great as he is, I'm kind of bored. It's the same thing every time. He's a great orator, but. We know where this is going. We don't need. This is the kind of thing you need when it's like there needs to be fuel in the fire. But we don't need that at this point, especially from Paul Heyman. Um, the only thing I thought interesting was his whole thing about you need to pick friendship or family. That was his whole laying the gauntlet out to Roman Reigns before he was attacked by the Dudleys, um, which is fine. Again, Dudleys, ECW, Paul Heyman, family, quote unquote. Uh, so that was fine. But all this really was there for served as a build to Ambrose making the save and then going for the dirty deeds on Roman Reigns. Only to tell him, you'll need to be quicker next time. Um, which I thought was quite interesting. And I was so glad the commentary put that part over. Because um, it's quite hard if the camera's moving, changing angles, to lip read what Dean Ambrose is saying to Roman Reigns. So he goes for the dirty deeds, doesn't hit it, but says quite clearly you'll need to be quicker next time 
or you'll be hit with this and they'll win the match and I'll be the guy going to WrestleMania and not you. The other side is, are they putting in Paul Heyman with Roman Reigns to sort of a, just give Roman Reigns more experience in the ring on a promo segment because he didn't really talk very much or is this sort of a precursor to WWE actually pulling a fast one having Dean Ambrose winning at Fastlane and going for Lesnar and Reigns too at WrestleMania that has crossed my mind at points though. Yeah. that has crossed my mind at points that potentially happening because I don't know if you're going to do I don't know what's what's better having Triple H against Roman Reigns and if Roman Reigns wins reaction isn't going to be that great I don't think because um, I don't really see Triple H getting booed out of the building at any point especially when a large portion of the people that go to Wrestlemania are guys that are going to go that's Triple H see the stuff he's done with NXT he's a good guy and when Roman is going to go boo don't like you because you've been pushed down our throats I've had a, I've, I've had a few theories but uh, the first thing I'll quickly cover um, the problem with the Paul Heyman Brock Lesnar it just felt like pre-Wrestlemania like the whole uh, you know what I'm like Mr. Simone Badass I'm like oh heard that before and all I had to talk about his family heard that all before uh, it was a nice little angle to kind of tease you know like that Dean Ambrose similar to the Royal Rumble a couple of years ago is like not afraid to kind of put friendship aside to for personal gain. Um, now, speaking of, as I said, there's a few kind of ways I could see it going. It's a relatively short build. I think it would be quite hard to do within five weeks, but I would not be surprised because of the reaction Reigns would get at WrestleMania to have Triple H and Lesnar and Reigns and Ambrose. Lesnar winning the title and then Lesnar dropping the title to Reigns at a, at a venue where he's more likely to be cheered. Aye, aye, possibly. Possibly. Highly unlikely, but it was just kind of when I was thinking about reactions and stuff yeah, like that. But that's the thing that I think, like, because they've so they've underbooked Roman Reigns the last month or so, that it's making you think that something else could happen, which is good. Uh, and I genuinely think if they want to make a star at this WrestleMania, you put Dean Ambrose over. But I don't see it happening, unfortunately. But the thing we need to remember is Triple H is the champion, and who do you think Triple H would rather lose the title to at WrestleMania? I'm not sure. sure. <laughs> well, Jakey would rather lose to Brock Lesnar, who he's already lost to at WrestleMania. Jakey would rather lose to Roman Reigns, who he doesn't agree with Vincent Mann that he's the guy they should be pushing. Or Jakey would rather lose to Dean Ambrose, who's the guy he tried to call up a year before he finally got called up to the main roster. Hmm. You put it that way, it's interesting. I, but, I think the problem is there's so many ways you go about it, like... I've even had weird ways where I'd, I'd think like we could end up with Reigns v Taker. Well, that's the thing. If if Reigns loses the triple threat, then have him go after Undertaker or something. I don't know. Like, I really don't know. Because so that, but that's good that we don't really know who Taker's mm-hmm. going to face at this point. Um, but anyway, moving on, we had Heath Slater against Zack Ryder. Zack Ryder can still draw a reaction out of the crowd. Uh, Heath Slater gets the win however through a distraction um, and I was so so chuffed that Zack Ryder done the dive over the top instead of through the middle ropes um, but uh, Heath Slater wins with his I don't even know what the name he's finished is to be quite honest which is a shame so not really mentioned does it now because no, he's, no? he's only he, the last time I seen him do it was like two years ago um, and that might have been the first time he used it <laughs> Since, um, but he gets the win through Bo Dallas's distraction. Just keeping them relevant is pretty much all that is. A few things I took from it um, was very interesting to see Zack Ryder versus Heath Slater on Raw. Yeah, that's a superstars match all over. But like as you say with Zack Ryder, like when you're on Raw, you need to seize the the TV time, stand up and be noticed. And as we all keep saying, people keep doing the, the suicide dive through the middle rope. So the fact that he's been able to do that move over the top rope, it's kind of like, all right, I never knew Zack Ryder could do that. Fair enough, we've seen it a few times now, but it's like, Zack Ryder's maybe this little, little different, you know, there's a little bit more to him than people think, than rather just a wacky guy. This guy can actually do some, some crazy things. 
bear in mind, was it not on Raw not that long ago where he, he hit the 450 splash and missed? I'm sure that was Raw. Was it possibly his US... Did he ever have a US Open Challenge? I feel like it was some match uh, it might have been actually. of big Aye. importance uh, where he been. went for it and he missed it. Aye. Uh-huh. So he's at least got that in his locker. Anyway, moving on, we had another uh, Golden Truth segment where Artus romanticising a woman in a restaurant because obviously this was just after Valentine's Day. And we have Goldust, who's the waiter, and usual antics ensue. Goldust pops his cork all over the woman. One of the lesser of their segments. Next up with the Lucha Dragons and Neville against the League of Nations with Barrett on the outside, of course. I mean, that shows you, really, when Sheamus has got like a broken bone in his wrist, but they're going to put him in the match instead of Wade Barrett, whatever his injury might be. I mean, when they came out there, you're thinking, alright, cool, Barrett's actually getting a match because Seamus is wearing a t-shirt, so he's clearly the guy on that side. Nope, not the case. Another thing I took fate as well is, remember a month ago-ish, Seamus was champion. And now look at him. Exactly. A complete afterthought. It's ridiculous. Um, the match itself was fine for what it was. It was quite clear this is just to set up for Fastlane, getting some more guys involved. Absolutely fine with that. Um, the only thing I wasn't fine with was the setup for the finish with Sinkara holding himself in the middle of the ropes like that. It just it makes it it just takes you out of the moment when it's something like that. Uh, double stomp did look vicious though, and Del Rio picks up the win. Clearly, just to give him some momentum going into the title match at Fastlane. It's fair enough, right? They can. Uh put it as a bit that we're going to target an injury that Sankara had but I still feel like because it's not the normal way that move's done obviously it's normally done in the corner like if you're going to have a spot like that would you know rather have that in a pay-per-view and then maybe bring it out more often on Raw afterwards hopefully not because it doesn't look very good but um, but I know what you mean uh, Alberto then backstage hyped up the US title match which is um, just fine um, then they showed the the Becky team bad beat down. In fact, that's what it is. When I mentioned that, it's when it was announced on social media. They put that video up. So it was a bit earlier. They showed the video on Raw before with Becky against Naomi. Naomi hits those shite-looking kicks that I've not... That makes it look like she's doing the can-can and not even kicking um, Becky. Um, and then Becky... I'm sure she won with the disarmor. I can't quite remember. I'm pretty positive she did win though. Um, post-match attack obviously and then Becky comes, sorry, Sasha comes out for the save wearing high heels which I thought was fine. She looked brilliant and I loved the whole taking all the jewellery off as she came down to the ring and all that. I thought that was amazing. Um, and then just chases Tamina and Naomi off. Um, that was cool. It's fine with that. Um, I liked it from the aspect of Becky and Sasha are only together because they have to be, to have each other's back at this point. So, Sasha wasn't particularly urgent about getting to the ring. So I thought that was fine. <clears throat> and of course we've got that tag match at Fastlane. I mean, when you've got an angle with that, it can always lead to, lead to a bit of tension going forward and then who knows where the women's division is going. Although we kind of have a rough idea. Nah, exactly. Um... Then we had our main event, which was announced at the start of the show, although it wasn't announced as the main event, because that would have made many people tune out much sooner than they did. We had Big Show against Braun Strowman, and I didn't think this was going to be the main event until about midway through the women's match before it, and then I realised, oh shit, that's the one match left to go. Um, Which is not good. Um, Usual Wyatt promo pish. Attack... Big show after about maybe a minute, two minutes. Um, then Ryback comes out for the save. Um, they get beat down. And then Kane appears through the ring and that's us get another match set up for Fastlane. What I took from it? 
it's very nice to hear someone not Bray Wyatt speaks. So it was nice to actually hear Eric Rowan and, and Luke Harper. I feel Luke Harper very underrated on the mic. Um, in terms of the making the save, God damn it, Kane, your pyro makes it so obvious. Your the <laughs> ring set up for him. I'm like, as soon as I seen that, I'm like, Kane's coming, because you just knew straight away. But cool that they made it coming through the ring instead of you know flames and up here comes Kane. But uh, that's the biggest downside about now because they've got the. It's white ring posts these days, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So it makes it even more obvious that there's big, massive pyros taped to the to the ring posts, uh, which never helps. That's why, in situations like that, I prefer it when they just do the the pyro on the stage. Then you have everyone turn to the stage, the flames are on the stage, you can cut back to the ring, and then Kane can appear behind everybody. Look, that's how they used to do it. Uh, didn't really telegraph it as much. Um, but that was fine for what it was. Um, so, Fastlane is this Sunday, of course. Uh, we'll just go through the, the card, some predictions, and maybe where things are going from here. So we have Kalisto against El Rio for a 2 out of 3 falls match for the US title. I like that stipulation. I've no idea when it was added. I'm assuming it was on SmackDown. Um, no, no, it was, it was during Raw. It was during Raw. Yeah, right. No idea when it was added. Um, I like that because it means that whoever loses is still going to get um, a pinfall, which is probably means Del Rio is going to win the first fall. Um, Kalisto then win the, the second two because I think he's going to retain the title. Uh, I think they need a strong Hispanic presence going into Wrestlemania so having the title on someone like Kalisto is a great idea um, who he faces at Wrestlemania I don't know however I feel there is an opportunity to go against Del Rio again as much as I, I'm not a fan of maybe a fourth match between these two for the US title but in Texas a big Hispanic Mexican presence mask versus hair match makes all the sense in the world something that's not been seen for a long long time that's a, that's a good shout um, I feel like as well Kalisto will retain I feel Del Rio gets the first fall Kalisto gets the second fall through a roll up and then the third through the finishing manoeuvre uh, as far as where the US title goes in Mania as I said earlier on potentially the multi-man match could easily see it being at the moment, the way it's kind of set up, it could easily be Kalisto versus Sankara versus Neville versus Sheamus versus Rusev versus Del Rio. Possibly. Very possibly. Because um, you don't need to get as many guys onto the card as possible. Um, the other thing is we need to have just a match where, because I hate this whole thing of there's a dives in every match, have a match at Mania where all that shit is in the one place so we don't get it spread out across the card. So even if you do have a thing where you have a match like that, you're going to avoid that stuff because you've got the three smaller guys, you've got the three bigger guys as the base for all those moves. Absolutely would be fine with that. Um, just not really sure. I mean, it's one of those things that the night after Fastlane, you'll get a clear indication of where things are going for Mania. Um, next up, we have the aforementioned six-man tag match. Um... Big Show, Ryback and Kane against the Wyatts and if the Wyatts don't go over it will be ridiculous um, but again I do find it interesting that Bray Wyatt isn't in the match um, and it seems like another opportunity they'll use to put Braun Strowman over um, although I do feel like they're missing an opportunity with Ryback at this point to really give him a proper push um, towards Mania season I think it's got to be the Wyatts you got to keep them looking as strong as possible going forward um, I say that when Bray Wyatt not being in it and Eric Rowan being in it you can always see him taking the pinfall but um, I think um, I have uh, Braun Strowman probably beating someone via Big Cho- chokey thing. Aye, big chokey thing, aye, basically. Um, aye, totally agree. Uh, then we've got 
A tag match, Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks against the remnants of Team Bad. I think... I think Team Bad win. I also think they win because Sasha leaves Becky Lynch as a lamp to the slaughter. Um, and then we finally get the Becky Lynch-Sasha thing. Or... Or that serves as a setup for a multi-women match for the title at Mania because that's what they do these days. I think it's um, Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch at win. I feel um, probably going to be the win via. Do you know what I'm actually going to say? It's the win via um, the Disarmer, and I think because she picks up the victory, you maybe get a little bit of tension between them, and that tension carries on through Raw and then in the build to WrestleMania. Maybe like a kind of jealousy angle that she took her, her spotlight. Um, but I think they're very desperate to have Sasha Banks as a as a baby face um, with an edge to her, actually letting her be her, her own character. Um, then obviously the Divas title match, Charlotte against Brie Bella. Pretty much spoke us about this match enough. Charlotte's going over, pretty clear. Um, Brie Bella will probably have her swan song at WrestleMania and then retire. Um although I feel they may try and keep her on until Nikki comes back and then do something there where Brie Bella retires. Yeah, I think I think you're going to get Brie going very close, but I feel like that, as much as I say, why is he there? I think this is where Ric Flair will actually make, do something and cost her the, the match, and then Charlotte will, will take advantage of her father being at ringside. Then we have Kevin Owens against Dolph Ziggler for their best of 7,000 series, which it seems like these days. Um, for the Intercontinental title, I don't know. I think I think Kevin Owens retains unless they try and do a switch where Ziggler goes full-on heel again and leaves Kevin Owens as like this guy that isn't a full-on babyface but a guy that the crowd really likes. Um, but I still probably stick with Kevin Owens retaining. Um. My sensible answer is Kevin Owens. My other answer would be a, a draw than it going to a replay for um, 7,001. But now, hope, hopefully Kevin Owens gets a win and um, as I say, hopefully that after it we can get some fresh feuds. Um, although I, I say fresh feuds, I feel like Owens will have his IC rival, whoever that may be. As I say, I'm potentially thinking it'll be AJ Styles. Ziggler, I feel like he's going to be one of those guys that will drop into the, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal is, a, is, a, is one of the favourites, but, but not one. And then our main event is the Triple Threat number one contenders match for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Dean Ambrose against Roman Reigns against Brock Lesnar. And... I don't know. You've got to imagine that Roman Reigns wins. Sadly, I think that's what's going to happen. But I would just love for it to be Dean Ambrose. But I think it's going to be Roman Reigns. Spear City. I think that's his own about the WWE. Though everybody like is going to say, "Oh, it's going to be Roman Reigns," but we want it to be Dean Ambrose. Everybody wants it to be Dean Ambrose. But it's probably going to be Roman Reigns. And that's the thing, though, like. The event where the good guys prevail is WrestleMania. The rest of the year, the good guys lose. Um, I say the good guys, but the guys that like there's a genuine passion behind. Um, but I don't know. I think that if they can get if Dean Ambrose can tweak his character enough, he can pick up the Daniel Bryan momentum. Um, I don't think he's there yet, and he's got until Sami Zayn debuts on the main roster properly to, to sort of gain that fan base. The scary thing is, I was thinking, I've always thought, like, who's that next guy that's going to be close to the Daniel Bryan? And I said Sami Zayn. Because Sami Zayn's one of those guys. Like, I know he was good and all that, and I enjoyed his work. When we went to that show, NXT, I'm like, this guy is, like, the most awesome baby face ever. I, like, I could not hate the guy. So he's one of those guys, like, if I just, like, if I was every show watching him, he'd be my favourite wrestler in the world. Just because that good, they baby face. 100%. 
So that's the predictions for Fastlane. And the last thing we will talk about, we sort of mentioned it a couple of times, um, is the report came out today that uh, Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Is Ever newsletter says that Undertaker's many opponent has now been penciled in and it's someone that is currently not on the WWE roster. Very vague. That probably, to me, means it's not somebody that's someone that's an active wrestler at this point in time, which means it could be Cena, could be Randy Orton, um, could be Seth Rollins, could be anyone that's injured, could be someone from NXT, could be someone that's currently not signed, uh, which is the vaguest of vague reports. Um, I think Vince McMahon will be the kind of guy who is not a believer in God, but will be at the end of his bed every night in that very short amount of time that he has in his bed at night. Before he tucks himself in, we'll be praying that John Cena is healthy for WrestleMania, which he definitely won't be. But I don't know. I don't know who it could be. There's a multitude of guys it could be. The one guy I hope it isn't is Finn Balor. Um, anyone else, I'll, I'll buy that for whatever it's worth. I feel like, especially in this day and age, it's certainly not someone you can't debut them straight off the bat in the main roster to go against Taker at WrestleMania. But how amazing is that, though? Like, I, I, I can't see them taking the risk. It would be quite actually quite cool to see, but I just can't see them taking the risk. It's just like... But then again, people said debuting AJ Styles, the way they debuted AJ Styles, would be a risk. Nah. No, they need to do vignettes. No one's going to know who AJ Styles is. Really? Did you hear that reaction? <laughs> and you think that the people that are going to fill up the Cowboy Stadium in Texas, do you think they're the kind of people that are going to be like, oh, I don't know that music, I don't know that guy, uh, who's this? Uh, or do you think they're going to be the kind of folk that go, oh my God, we don't know who Taker's facing. But he's like, the, however they build it up, like... Could you imagine? I don't they, know. Like, they they, build they it kept up. it a secret to on Mania. I think they'd imagine. obviously they'd need to say, but for a bit of selling point. But if they kept it as an unknown opponent, like having that bit of mystery, imagine in that thing. Like yeah, it's, it's different. But like, no one thought. Like I still personally didn't think the build worked for Wyatt and Undertaker. But Undertaker then coming out at Mania was amazing. They're like he's actually here. Like he's actually here. That's amazing. They could easily flip that and have like all these mind games and whatever. I don't know how they would do it. And then it'd be like whatever just appears on the on the screen, like, I'll see you in Dallas or whatever. Like that's clearly they're never gonna do that, but if they did. I think it's just because we've not seen it before. Exactly. It's, it's something completely different and would just add that bit of unpredictability which we're kinda of looking for at WrestleMania. That's what they need to do. I have seen some other names, a lot of other people rumouring and having all bizarre types of theories. I've seen people even saying, oh, it's in it's in Texas. Shawn Michaels could come back for one last match. I've even seen that one, yes. Aye. Uh, and then obviously your whole Kurt Angles, Nakamura's and all that. But I'm thinking more along the lines, like you are with like, so maybe an Orton or a Cena or somebody they can get back from injury who is a WWE superstar, but just not particularly on the active roster. I would right rather now. it's someone we've not seen him face at WrestleMania. So I would rule out Randy Orton, preferably. Cena would be amazing. We'd be calling it for like over a year. I don't know. And the thing is as well, Balor as a surprise would be a great pop, I feel. Cena returning when nobody expects it. Aye. Massive, Aye. especially if there's no hint to it. I think it could be an even bigger, well, of course, because WrestleMania, but like the pop he got at the Rumble that time he came back. Times, God knows how many times. And that's the thing, like, can you imagine, well, we'll be there, so, can you imagine a WrestleMania, you don't know the Undertaker's opponent, so Undertaker's music goes and Undertaker's already in the ring, which never happens, never, and then somebody's music hits, and that's that's somebody that's going to face Taker, like, because like, you've already had the Undertaker's entrance, so the crowd's already hyped for that, and then... I don't know. I don't know what they'll do, but they've got the chance to do something special. Don't think they will, though, unfortunately. Um, 
anyway, that that remains to be seen. I mean, obviously, by by this time next week, we'll have a, a much clearer view. Obviously, having had Fastlane and then the the first Raw and the real lead up to WrestleMania. I was just checking there, but Taker is not scheduled for Raw. So again, that could lead a wee bit of curiosity. When we're going to find out his opponent? When are we going to see him on this road to WrestleMania? Of course. Because um, I don't even think. No, obviously he wasn't in the, the build-up to WrestleMania last year. But the year before that, he didn't appear on the first Raw after uh, Elimination Chamber. It was like the Raw afterwards, um, which was strange. Um, but anyway, um, going forward, um, obviously a lot to talk about in the, in the build to WrestleMania. Um, ICW stuff as well in their build-up to Baromania. And so we'll be back next week with some more wrestling chat. Um, you can catch us in all the usual places. Uh, One Hour Broadway, uh, Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you do get your podcasts. You can also find all other information at onehourbroadway.tk. And as usual, like, subscribe. Share us by word of mouth, if must be. And we always appreciate any feedback that you do give us. Thanks for listening.